You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. So we're in a series in 1 John 2. In fact, you could, uh, if you have your Bible, you could go ahead and turn there. But I'm going to tell you a little story first. We, uh, we all know George Washington, right? Probably the most famous founding patriarch, the founding father, you know, in our, our country. Do you remember the story about how he died? Do you remember that at all? I, I didn't either. I didn't remember that from history. So, of course, he became our first president after the, the end of the Revolutionary War and uh, all of that. And so, uh, the, so uh, in the morning, about 2 o'clock in the morning, 1799, uh, so middle of the night, if you will, he woke up with excruciating pain. And uh, his throat just had, was extremely sore and a tremendous amount of pain. And it was swollen to the degree that he was struggling to breathe. And uh, so, you know, as the retired president, the best doctors that could be found came in. I believe he was at home. He had been out. It was wintertime the day before. He had been out riding on horseback all day in the, the snow and cold and all of that. And uh, the doctors came in, and, uh, and they also brought in a blood letter. You know, back then, you, you know, one of the theories is, is that you have an ailment because you've got too much blood, so we need to reduce it. So here he is, the guy literally at a point where he can barely breathe, so constricted, right? And, uh, and they begin to work feverishly on him. They begin to drain literally 40% of his blood over the next 12 hours. You know, detailed records were kept. He's a president, and that's, you know, the first president, and you do things like that. They gave him multiple enemas. They gave him multiple drugs to make him throw up. And on top of it, I forget what it was, but they put some sort of substance on his throat to create a blister. And in the modern medical technology of the day, the thought was, is he just got too much, probably the lamest turn is too many juices in him. And we need to get all of this stuff out of him. That if you get rid of some of the blood, that the swelling is going to kind of shrink. Well, I'm not sure at the end of the day what killed him, the doctors or, you know, whatever he had, you know, infection, bacteria, whatever that, that killed him. The best they knew how to do, and they were not helpful. They were actually harmful. They were sincere, but sincerely confused, sincerely wrong, sincerely deceived and uh, in the medicine of that time and of that era. And I have no doubt that, you know, we're... Uh, Washington were to have checked into an ER, into a hospital, that he would have not only survived that night, but probably many nights after that, uh, after that reality. How many of you like to be deceived? Not a hand goes up, right? Uh, we, we at our core, like that's one of the things that we like the least. And we expect deception in most areas of our life. You know, we don't want it in our relationships, but We've been around long enough that there's often deception creeps up in the middle of relationships. We definitely don't like it when we're buying a car, buying a house. We don't like it when we're getting a new job. Um, we don't like deception at all. We're going to talk this morning about how do you avoid, how do you see spiritual deception? How do you spot it? How do you overcome it? So read with me, if you would, in, in the book of John, 1 John chapter 2, as we've been kind of walking uh, section by section through this little letter, and John has written it, the Apostle John has written it about 2,000 years ago for our benefit today. It was just as current today as it was back then. And he's helping people who have a relationship with Christ, who've surrendered their life to Him, and to really know that they know that they, they, um, they have that relationship that is meaningful and real. And in the middle of this section we're going to read, he gives us the fourth or fifth test about how do you really know that you're saved? And, and the 
pragmatic reality is, is are you walking in the truth? Does the truth abide in you? But he warns us to be careful about spiritual deception. So, so read with me in chapter uh, 2 of 1 John, not the Gospel of John. This is like go to the very last book of the Bible, Revelation, hang a left, like three very small books, and you'll come to 1 John. So chapter 2, verse 18, the Bible says this, Children, he's referring to us, Get in, keep in mind, he's an apostle, he's older. In fact, he's much aged, he outlived all the other apostles. So he has the right to call us kids, all right? Uh, some of you that are older, your kids are probably in your 40s or whatever. They're still your kids, right? That never ends. That's just kind of the nature of it. And so he says, children, it's the last hour. And as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. That one who is against, anti, against Jesus Christ, who is against all that he is, all that he stood for. He's coming. He's on his way. And so now... Many antichrists, lots of little antichrists, people who are against all that Jesus stands for, have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, talking about these little antichrists. So they were used to be a part of the church, used to be a part of the Christian family, the Christian faith, but they have left. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all, uh, that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have knowledge, a reference to the Holy Spirit. is like, guys, you know the truth. The Holy Spirit has revealed that to you. He says in verse 21, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, the, the Messiah, the Savior, the Chosen One, the one that would redeem people from their sins? It's Jesus. He's the one. Who lies? Anyone who says that Jesus isn't that one. This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. It's kind of like a two-for-one thing. If you get Jesus, you've got the Father. And if you've got the Father, you've got Jesus. You can't have one without the other is what he's saying. Some people say, well, I, I believe in God, but I'm not sure about Jesus. You can't do that. Well, I like Jesus, but I'm not sure. No, it's, they're together is what John is saying. So he goes on in this. Um, verse 24, Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, lives and dwells and stays inside of you, in other words, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. You'll have a close relationship with the Son Jesus and you will abide and live and your life will be lived out with them. And this is a promise that He made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you have received from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, it is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in Him. In other words, continue to stay in Him. Pray with me, would you? Father, I'm grateful for the truths of these words. I'm grateful that John shared them with us, that we can make our life with you, and make our life with Jesus, not just be a God that we believe in, not just something that we do a little bit religiously, but truly make our life with you and in you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to discern spiritual deception and that we would simply know spiritual truth today and build our life on that. 
Father, we know that there are lies in every area of life, and we have all experienced those, some painfully, uh, in relationships and in other things. But Father, sometimes we're oblivious to spiritual lies, and they're just as destructive and deadly. So Father, I pray that you would illumine our hearts, help us to see, help us to understand, and to recognize and believe the things that you have written for our good. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I like to go fishing. I'm not a big fisherman. I'm not very good. I, enough to be, I know enough to be dangerous, to be honest with you. I will just about do most anything to get me outside and have an excuse along the way. And uh, I don't like it, though, when my kids catch more fish than I do or bigger fish. I, you know, I am a little bit that bad. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy. It's a good day I catch something. It's a really good day when I catch more or bigger ones than they do. But, uh, uh, you know, catching fish by nature is a deception for a fish. You know, the whole point is that you take your little hook. I mean, there's a lot of things you can, you know, catch fish with. But we'll just go to the basic, a worm and a hook. And you put a worm on the hook and you drop it down in the water where the fish are. And to the fish, you know, they're oblivious to the hook for the most part if you do it right. And there's all kinds of stuff. Fishermen, they're kind of going crazy. You know, like camo's a thing for hunting, like green and brown camo. Did you know there's fishing camo now? Like blue and gray, have you seen that? It's like crazy, and I'm thinking, I have a red canoe for crying out loud. I don't <laughs> think they're gonna care what color my shirt is. You know, they're not like, I see you up there looking at me. But it's all, about, it's all about deception. Deception by nature always has a piece of truth with it. If it didn't, you wouldn't be deceived. Always. Always has that big, fat, juicy worm that looks like something you want, like something you should do, like something that makes sense, something that's appropriate. But by the nature of deception is in the middle of that truth, there is an invisible hook and an invisible lie, an invisible piece that just totally turns everything, that rather than being something that's good for lunch, that, oh, this will be good, you might end up being lunch. You might end up on the hook and not be able to get off the hook. That's the nature of deception. It's insidious, and we, we can't stand it in our life because we trust those things. We trust those people. We trust those institutions. We trust those whatever, and it's awful, the things that come out. I mean, our news every day is filled with people that have deceived others in the destruction and the carnage in the wake of their actions and all kinds of things. Well, it might surprise us because in the cultural climate that we're in that we just want to say, well, anybody that's doing anything spiritually ought to be trusted. That, you know, we all see the bumper stickers that say coexist and all of that. And while we absolutely ought to coexist with everybody on this planet and we ought to show love absolutely, that's one of the dumbest bumper stickers around. Is there any area of life where you should just trust what everybody's opinion is? Do you buy a car that way? No. Do you do anything in life that way? I'm glad we don't live in an era where doctors are like, yeah, Sean, you've got a sore throat. I had that a few years ago. I just, it got to the point where not only was it hard to eat toast, like I would swallow water and I could tell my throat was constricting and like that gets a little scary. I went to the, you know, the urgent care and they put me on prednisone, a steroid to shrink it. And I'm, I'm convinced, I told my wife, this is the closest I ever want to get to menopause. I, well, I had hot flashes from it. I started feeling moody and cranky. And, you know, I'm just like, wow, my heart goes out to you ladies. I'm getting off of this stuff tomorrow. Like, I'm done with it, you know. 
And eventually I got, you know, got over that. But it would be crazy. A doctor would have malpractice, you know. Come on in, Sean. We're going to drain out 40% you know, percent of your blood and, and give you all of this. Absolutely ridiculous. So I'm not as much talking about other faiths as I am to just say, let's be, let's be really honest. There's a lot of spiritual destruction out there uh, that comes from deception. And that's exactly what John is warning us about today. He says, look, be wise, be aware. So for you and I, the first thing I want us to recognize is that we need to be aware of spiritual deceivers. John, in the verse, verse I read, he said, there are already many, many antichrists that have come, many people that are, that are living, that have gone out from you, that used to claim a, a relationship with Christ, people that talk about God, people that talk about spiritual things. And he says, look, just because somebody even mentions a Bible, just because somebody mentions God, just some, because somebody mentions Jesus, just because somebody talks about a higher power, just because somebody talks about something that, that sounds good, doesn't mean you ought to automatically believe it. We're, we should treat spiritual things much like eating fish. You know, and I catch a fish and bring it home. Uh, we eat that fish very differently than we do a tomato from the garden. You know, we're like, all right, kids, there could be bones in here. Be careful, you know. I've never once told my kids that because we trust it. We should treat spiritual things in our world just like we would eating a fish that hey, there might be, there's some good stuff in here, but there might be some bad stuff, and you need to keep, your, keep an eye out. Let me give you a couple examples. Um, in the, the country of India, there is a river called the Ganges River. How many have heard of it, Ganges? Famous, 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 famous river. Um, it is a holy river because in the Hindu belief system, it is a representation of a goddess. And every year, there's four special days out of the year that millions of Hindus will make their pilgrimage down to the Ganges River, and they will wash in the, in the, 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 the Ganges, because their belief is, is that because it's a representation of a deity, that it will wash away their sins, their bad karma, and that if they're able to do that enough, then it breaks the cycle of their reincarnation. And their, their understanding of reincarnation is very different than us in the, U, in the U.S. Reincarnation is increasingly popular that, well, you'll come back as another human being. In their culture, that sweet little baby that you just had, if that baby doesn't live its life right, it might come back as a cockroach next lifetime. Uh, it might come back something worse. So you come back, and the whole point is, is that you suffer in this life based on whatever bad things that you've done. And if you suffer enough and you work at this thing enough, and you get washed in the Ganges River enough, that eventually you can outstrip this bad karma, you can kind of find a spiritual alignment and an enlightenment, and you can kind of become one with the cosmic good in the universe. There's only one problem with that. The Ganges River is the sixth most polluted river in the world, I'm told. Uh, there's big parts of it, and these are the parts where people are wading down in to wash themselves, are filled with raw sewage um, to the parts. I'm not a doctor, but I know enough to know that this is bad. Like, I'm told that, you know, it's okay if you test the water and not drink it, but you can bathe in it when it's up to, like, 500 fecal coliform, you know, count to, like, 10 milliliters, which 10 milliliter, milliliters is not a lot. Like, 500. You know what's in the Ganges River? 1.5 million, like, it's like going down into raw sewage. Because of the belief system, and especially if you die, that you get bathed right at that moment, 
um, you get kind of an extra bounce, I would say, you know, is my best understanding, like spiritual lift, like more of your sins get washed away and you get freed of that. So there are many dead bodies that get pushed into the Ganges River. There's all kinds of chemicals, like, like think cholera, you know, I mean, think awful stuff, people swimming in this world. Sean, why are you picking on that river and that, that, that worldview, that belief system? Well, I'm not really trying to pick on the belief system. I'm definitely not picking on the people. Or I am trying to pick on the belief system, but not that river, not the people. Can we just look at this? If that really is a goddess in that river that has the ability to wash away your sins, wouldn't, they be able to, wouldn't that goddess be powerful enough to clean the river up and make it safe for people to wash in? Like, I step back and I just say, oh my goodness. How many of you are familiar with the little kid's book, The Emperor's New Clothes, or has, you know what I'm talking about? Like, well, the one where this guy makes clothes and says it's so fine that the emperor can't, well, I can't see them. And he's making it all up. He's acting like he's spinning and weaving new clothes, and there's nothing there. He's just moving his hands, and he tries on. The emperor's like, oh, yeah, this is great. And then the emperor ends up in a parade session, walks out buck naked. And everybody's believing it because they're afraid to laugh at the king because he might kill you. Until some little kid is like, <laughs> the emperor's got no clothes. And everybody's like, of course he doesn't. It's like the plain as a nose on your face. If there's something spiritual that water could wash away your sins in a river, wouldn't that deity be powerful enough to keep it clean? Of course. Let me shift gears a little bit. That may be in a, more, a little bit more of a Christian realm for us. For centuries, the Christian church, many churches have taught that, well, once you get baptized, that washes your sins away. It's one of those things you do. If you do, you know, you go to do step one, two, three, and four, that this will take care of all of your sins. And let's think about that. The stuff that we do wrong is all that sin really is. The lying, the stealing, the cheating, the, the anger when we shouldn't be, the jealousy, the hate, the... The, all, all of the junk, the greed, the selfishness, all of that stuff, all of that stuff is on the inside of us, in our soul, not on the outside. How could anybody just getting a little bit wet, how could that do anything? It, it can't. And yet millions of people in the U.S. have believed that getting baptized will somehow wash away their sins. May I submit to you, that that's spiritual deception, the kind that John is telling us to watch out for? May I submit to you that there have been many people who've taught differently, people who've claimed the Bible, people who are spiritual leaders. That's the nature of all deception, is it's somebody in authority that we trust, that supposedly knows something, and that we listen to, that has enough of the truth, that we follow that, and we miss the danger, the hook in the middle of that. You see, the Hindu world system and the Christian worldview system recognizes both, recognizes the problem. Just like George Washington recognized, he didn't need a doctor at 2 o'clock in the morning to know he was sick. Hey, I'm not breathing so well. Something's wrong. My throat hurts. Hindu worldview knows that we're messed up as people. We've got sin and guilt and shame and stuff that we've done that we need to get freed from. The old-school Christian worldview system knows the same. Both of those are messed up because both try to solve the problem by doing something ourselves, setting up its own set of rules to overcome all of that. 
When we look at the Bible, the Bible's picture is very different. God says, yeah, that ain't, that's not going to work. That's not possible. You're, that's just like draining out 40% of your blood, thinking it's going to heal you spiritually. You're trusting in something that's bogus. And it's at the very least not helpful. At worst, it's deadly. One little verse, I mean, the Bible's filled with these verses, but let me just give you one to make it simple. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. What you earn, we, when we work, we earn a wage. And when we sin, when we disobey God, do all the stuff that's wrong, the, the lying and cheating, the, the drunkenness, the whatever, all of that, it brings death into our life. Not just physical death ultimately, but it brings death in our relationships. Start lying to a good friend of yours and see how well that friendship lasts. Start betraying trust. That brings death into that relationship. Start doing things that are awful and deceptive. It brings death. So the result of our sin, the things that we do wrong, brings shame, brings death, brings all kinds of stuff into our life. And the world around us, if we're being honest, recognizes that. But the Bible is unique. It's different than most of what Christian churches around us today. In fact, I would be nervous about many, if not most, Christian churches even. This is not just about one religion or another. It's about all of us. But what the Bible says to finish that Romans 6.23 is this, the wages of sin is death, but the gift, keyword gift, of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, God gives us life as a gift. Do you, by default, do you ever earn a gift? Can you, can you earn a gift? If you can, it no longer is a gift. It's a wage, Right? So God gives us a gift, a gift of salvation, a gift of forgiveness, a gift of eternal life, and it doesn't come through anything that we do, Romans 6.23 says. It comes through what Jesus did, and it comes through Him dying on the cross for our sins, being God who became a man, God and man at the same time, dying a perfect death, infinitely paying the penalty for all of our junk. See, in the Hindu system, you've got to pay for your bad karma and all of that. By the way, I'm a little, I'm, I'm shocked, honestly, and dismayed that our culture more and more buys into the mindset of karma. It just blows my mind. Like, okay, you're struggling to believe in a personal God, but now you're going to act like the whole universe is in charge of this thing? And now you've got to placate a whole universe and be good enough and overcome bad karma? With good, I'm like, that's even more nuts. That's crazy. It's insane. But at the end of the day, we all know that we've messed up, if we're being honest. And God says, yes, you are but I'm going to give you a solution. You see, what most religions are doing in the world, in fact, most, I would say most people who claim Christianity, they're taking the placebo pill. You know, there's all those medical trials. You take the 10 people aside, and you, you know, you, some have got the real stuff and some don't, and they want to see what happens. Most of the religions in the world are placebo. And actually, it's worse. It's probably more like rat poison in the middle of it. They're taking in some deadly stuff. And the real thing is what God says is, guys, I want to forgive you. I want to save you. I want you to know my son. So when we read John 2, 1 John 1, 2, John is warning people, don't be gullible. Don't be naive. Be wise about this, that there are many people actively deceiving and actively 
purporting. In fact, there's whole religions and churches and faith and people. And we ought to be more careful about that. Two things that you can know to recognize them, and then I'm going to tell you two quick things about what we should do about it. Notice how we'll recognize them. Well, they went out from us in verse 19, but they're not of us. Because if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all, all are not of us. John says, look around. The people that are not walking in a setting where there is a church, where the Bible is the guide, they're not, they're not following the true faith. Well, there was a gentleman that came here for years, and if I said his name, well, he didn't come here for years. It was a few years ago, and he came here for a year or two. If I said his name, those of you that are here would recognize him. We all liked him, loved him, accepted him. And, and he, he wanted to know if he could be accepted in our church. And, uh, and absolutely, uh, we did. And then he took our Discover class, and, uh, which is just kind of the thing where we do like the Wizard of Oz, pull the curtains back. I'm a very transparent guy, like what you see is what you get. I like all the cards you know, up on the table. I just, I don't, I like everything out in the open in general in life. But that's the class where we do share everything. I have all questions, whatever you want to know, we'll talk about it. And in that, he, he basically said, you know, I know what you guys believe, and I believe differently. And he said, is it okay if I'm still a member here and a part of it? And I said, I said, look, man, we love you. We will always accept you. You are welcome here. However, we're not going to go down that road spiritually where you are. We're going to do one thing. We're going to hold to the Bible. I think you're making your own religion. He kind of had taken a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that to kind of just make it whatever he wanted. And for him, it worked. But... That's kind of what George Washington's doctors did. That doesn't work out so well. <laughs> it doesn't work out well spiritually. And so, um, unfortunately, he left. I was sad when that happened. But first thing is you'll notice deception. Just where are people? Are they holding to a fellowship? And the second piece of that, but where there is truth taught. That's what John talks about in the next few verses. He says, look, compare to who, what they think about God and about Jesus. Who is a liar? Liar, that's a strong word. But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Anybody denies that Jesus is the one who is the Savior from our sins, if there's any way to be saved or forgiven of your sins other than through Jesus dying on the cross, they're not telling the truth. Now be careful. There's some bones in this fish. There's a lot of people who will talk about Jesus, who will talk about faith. Well, this is... God, I just want to believe and follow God. Well, I'm glad. Congratulations. But what God are you believing in? What exactly are you believing about Jesus? Are you really surrendered to Him who died on the cross to save you of your sin? Or is your faith more just, I believe that He did something? Think about it this way. I watched a video. My kids watch these, um, these YouTube videos. There's some famous guys that are out there. Besides watching the dude perfect things, which they love and were kind of cool, there's some like educational science kind of stuff. And there's this one guy who used to be a NASA uh, engineer, and he's always got some ridiculously amazing things on there. But the last one kind of blew my mind. He went and he collected some of the worst water that you could ever collect, like under a bridge, nasty, like Ganges kind of water. That was just describing, like, I wouldn't even want to walk into it. You know, you walk into it with the rubber boots and make sure you go home with a hazmat and, like, who knows what's floating around in the water. 
scooped up a water bottle full of it, just kind of shook it, and I mean, it was like chocolate milk. I mean, it's just nasty. Not just mud. I mean, think about other just nasty stuff in there, what kind of amoebas and all kinds of eh, in it. And he took a little packet. He made a bet with the little kids and said, I'll bet, what do you want to bet that I'll drink this water? And he said, $20. He's like, $20, really? And he took a little packet, and apparently a, an engineer or scientist from, I think it was Procter & Gamble, P&G, had, had developed this substance trying to make better water that you can wash your dishes with. It like gets all the bad stuff out of the way and keeps your water clean. You know, after a while, you're washing pans or whatever. You guys wash your dishes, right? You do that? Okay. Uh, some of you look like I was losing you. You know, before dishwashers, there's this wonderful thing called a sink, you know. <laughs> before that, I know, you know, some of you are like, Sean, yeah, get real. I used to carry the water. Was, yeah, you got me beat by a mile. I'm messing with you. But he takes a little packet, takes a little packet of this little powder, dumps it in the water, and you shake it up for about a minute. After about three or four minutes, you can just see the dark drop and the top layers clear. And what it is, I guess it's a kind of a bit of a chemical reaction, but it takes like the particles are like negative and the powders are positive, and so it's a magnet. So it literally sucks up all of the particles till they get big enough that they get heavy and they drop. And then there's chlorine in the packet that then purifies and kills all the viruses and all the junker in it. I watched him do it, and then he took that bottle and drank it. And I'm sitting there like, no way. Like, do I believe that worked? I do. But I wouldn't drink it. Would you? I wouldn't drink it on just that one guy's... I don't care who the scientist is. Have science and doctors ever messed up in the past? Yeah, I'm grateful for them, but I'm not going to drink that. One little powder, who knows what was in that water? I'm not going to do it. Here's my point. Faith in Jesus Christ is way more than you sitting back and saying, do I believe that Jesus died on the cross? Oh, yeah, I believe that. That's easy. Are you going to take the water and drink that? Are you going to commit yourself to it? To where, like, yeah, if there's anything bad in here, it's going down the hatch? That's a whole different animal altogether. That's what John is talking about when he talks about denying that Jesus is the Savior. This is not a logical head game. This is not a logic thing. This is a heart thing. He's saying, if you, have, if you are not fully accepting of that, and you are not in your mind committed, and if you're finding hope in, in other things besides Jesus, you've bought into a lie. You've bought into a lie. So how do we know deceivers? Are they fellowshipping in the truth around God's Word? So what does that mean for you and for me? Well, it's really the opposite. If you and I are going to continue in the faith, and if we are going to avoid deception, we have to watch what we believe, fellowship, share together, but share together around the truth of God's Word. You see, he says, look, in verse 24, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. What had they heard from the beginning? John knows who he's writing to. He's writing to people that the truth of the gospel, that Jesus came to die on the cross for their sins, to change their life, to bring forgiveness, that no matter how many times you wash in the purest of water, it's not going to wash away the junk on the inside. But God sent His Son Jesus to wash that away, to change us, to change our lives, forgive us, to remove the guilt and the shame, 
and ultimately one day to finish the job when this life on this earth is done, that we just completely are removed from that. And that's the truth that they had heard from the beginning. John doesn't replay it here because he just talked about it in chapter one that we spent a couple of weeks on. He says, let that continue in you. So I want to challenge you. What we're talking about here when it comes to salvation, a moment Elizabeth is baptized, it's been wonderful watching, just is privileged to be a part of her life in a very small little way. And as she has a, a testimony that you will hear or her story, but what matters in our life is not what we did 20 years ago, two years ago, two days ago. It's continuing on in that, that journey of the things that we believe and those things living inside of us. And when those truths of who Jesus is as the Savior, Lord of God in heaven, when, those things, when He lives in us that way, that truth lives in us, the Bible says we make our life, we abide in Him. This is not a mystical, let's sit around and meditate, oh, I'm you know, in the cosmological God kind of thing. What it's saying is, is that our everyday life is lived within Him. There's a relationship that is unbelievable, that transcends religion. You know, religion is the kind of things that you can schedule and put on a calendar that you show up on a Sunday. A relationship is something that you do and you live 24-7, that you're in constantly, no matter where you are. And that's what God wants us to experience. And that only comes through that kind of faith where you commit yourself to surrendering your life, turning away from the junk and the sin and saying, now I know I messed up. It's me and I want Jesus to save me. And I trust him. I drink that, that spiritual water. And our life is lived, without, is lived in him with great joy. That's what John says he's talking about. And that's the promise that in verse 25 that he has made to us, eternal life. He makes a promise Guys, when you have all authority in the world, all power to back it up, you're strong enough to back up whatever your word says, you are everywhere, you have all knowledge of wisdom, and you're only pure love and pure light, and only do that which is good. Can we all agree that when a, a God like that makes a promise, that's pretty awesome? And his promise to us is, is life eternal with him, not just happily ever after in heaven, after this life, but it's life now, it's life by nature that is lasting. It's eternal life is not life that lasts forever. It's life that has the quality of foreverness, that has a purpose and a meaning and an incredible uh, quality about it that we have now in a relationship with God. And it all comes through that truth. So I want to challenge you. One of the things that breaks my heart as a pastor, it truly does, not, um, is when people come and they, they, they hear, they listen, maybe they get excited, maybe even take some steps, maybe they even make a, a statement of faith, maybe they even get baptized. But when you fast forward in their life years later, where are they? Gone. I grieve over that, not because so much for what our church loses, really not that at all, but what the people lose. They themselves lose. Because at the end of the day, you really have drunk the good water of Jesus when you continue in those truths and it's changed your life. So how do you know that you really know Jesus? Are you continuing in the truth? So this morning, I want to challenge you. Where are you in your relationship with God? Have you bought some deceptions? In your past, maybe you went to a church, particular denomination, 
I, I'm, I don't believe truth is found in any one particular denomination or church group or anything like that, or even person. By the way, at, at River, whoever speaks up front here, whoever's talking in a life group, whoever you listen to, you each individually have a responsibility to check it according to this. And if any pastor or anyone is ever offended by that, then that's the day they need to be fired and let go. <laughs> because we follow God's Word. We follow it. And not a person, not anything else under the sun. And we are all accountable to that book collectively together. So maybe you've been a part of a church or denomination or group that, that honestly, maybe even it was big, maybe not. But it didn't teach those truths. I suggest to you, you probably got some lies in there. And I would challenge you and urge you that you need to check those against the truth of the Bible and really see what you believe. Maybe you're like, well, Sean, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died, but you know, I, I have faith, but I don't know if I'm ready, I've really drunk that water that you talked about. If I really have committed, I really don't have my life with him the way you're describing. That's God's a God I believe in, not a God I live with. He's a God that when I'm all of a sudden and it's freezing rain and I'm about to do a 360 on the road, and I go, oh God, you know, help me, but not really a God that I wake up in the morning trying to live my life with. I'll challenge you. If that's not where you are, something's missing. So wherever you are this morning, if you know Christ, continue and make it your highest goal to know Him and live with Him. That's what it's about. If you, if you don't know Jesus or maybe you've had some deception, and realize you might need some spiritual surgery. There might need to be some bones in there that you swallow that are caught. And as painful as that might be, even as mind-bending, my dad grew up in a cult. Probably why I'm particularly careful about that. Uh, my grandmother was a nice lady. She was a little bit wacky, honestly. Um, she was that California fruit and nut. She really was um, all the way. And, uh, but he grew up in a cult. She meant well. The issue isn't, do people mean well, or are they sincere? George Washington doctors were sincere, but they were sincerely confused and deceived. They didn't have all the truth that they needed. My grandmother is deceived and brought my dad up in a cult. I'm grateful that God delivered him and uh, totally changed his life and all of that. But it's a bit mind-bending when you've believed something differently and you're having to break with what your family believed or different traditions or different things, but... Guys, at the end of the day, this is for real. Spiritual deception is huge, so take it seriously. So what's God talking to you? I'm going to bring our team up here to play. We're going to have a baptism in just a minute, but before we do that, I want to give you a minute just to think about what God might be speaking into your heart. So come on up, team, and, uh, and we're, they're going to sing a song. And if you feel like God's talking to you, feel free not to sing. Feel free to sit. Feel free to stand. Feel free to do what makes sense to you. But this is your time to take what God has been kind of, we've been talking about this morning and apply it into your own heart and soul. So pray with me, would you? Father, I'm grateful for truth. Destruction and separation and death and anguish and pain always come as a result of lying. And Lord, would you help us to be more discerning spiritually about the lies circulating around us just because somebody's nice or seems to mean well. Oh, there's so many stories that we could have talked about, things that have happened right here in Albany um, and around the world. Lord, we just truly want to know you and hold your truth. And when we do that, 
It's not centered around a person, not a pastor, not a church, not a denomination. It's centered around you. And Father, that's where we want to be as a people. So, Lord, whatever needs to happen in our hearts this morning for these few minutes, I pray that, uh, that you would reveal those. Illumine our hearts, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.